Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be previewing Syracuse's game against Louisville and looking back at the Florida State game. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is the Courier-Journal, Steve Jones. Steve, thanks so much for coming on the program. No problem. Thank you for having me on. Steve, I want to get you started in this one. I say 2015 Louisville football. You say what? Talk to me about how this team has done this year. Yeah, I would say up and down uh, and uh, uh, sort of a tale of the two different halves of their schedule and the difficulty level of the of the first half of their schedule and the second half. Uh, they started off the season 0-3 and 2-4. and, uh, and, four. and uh, But, you know, the, the second half of the – uh, the season has been, you know, is much, much easier. They, you know, they have uh, Wake Forest and uh, Boston College, Syracuse, Virginia, Pitt, and Kentucky. So, I mean, uh, no really, really, uh, you know, uh, very, very imposing opponents in there, and they could they could potentially win all of them, which would, which would totally uh, shake up how the season goes. You know, Steve, one guy I've been particularly impressed with from Louisville has been junior wide receiver Jamari Staples. Ten catches for 133 yards and two touchdowns against Wake Forest. It seems like he's really hitting his groove after a knee injury earlier in the year. You know, Staples has been, uh, you know, really key to him. He was a guy who transferred over from UAB. He was a really important addition to the team because uh, they'd lost five wide receivers, and one of which was Devontae Parker. Uh, he was, you know, maybe the best receiver in the ACC last year, and he was a first-round draft pick. So they had a lot to replace, uh, and they needed some veteran guys. And even though he is new to Louisville's uh, team this year, he, he he knows the system really well. Um, Louisville's offensive coordinator was the head coach in UAB uh, when he was a freshman, so he was able to, uh, you know, he knows the system is pretty much the same same offense that he ran back then. And he's a really, really big guy. He's, um, you know, six four, almost two hundred pounds, uh, athletic, and and runs routes really well, and has good hands. And you know, they targeted him a ton of times against uh, Wake Forest this last week. And he had a, he had two touchdowns, and had you know, I mean, really kept him in that game when they had fallen behind. And, uh, you know, a really poor start by their offense. So he is a, he is really good. And, and James Quick, their uh, their other veteran receiver, is really good. They have two they have two kind of good. Um, veteran guys, and then they have a whole bunch of freshmen that they play around them. Steve, talk to me about the defensive side of the ball. Who should Syracuse be looking out for? Well, Louisville's front seven has got to be as good as, as anybody's in the league, if, if not the entire country. They have uh, 
Um, Sheldon Rankins is a guy that has a really good chance, I would think, to be drafted. If not in the first round, then, then you know, one of the first two or three rounds, uh, you know, a big 6'2", 6'1", 6'2", 300-pound guy who kind of plays a, an end-slash-tackle uh, position in a 3'4", uh, can do pretty much everything. He's a run stopper, but he also can rush the passer. And he's really, really versatile in a 3-4 kind of set, and you think of him as kind of a prototypical uh, kind of 3-4 defensive end in the NFL. A guy who can play nose tackle or play on the outside and rush the passer. Uh, he, he is excellent, and he'll command a lot of attention. He got hurt against Wake Forest, uh, but, you know, supposedly is on the mend and, and is probably going to be available this weekend again against Syracuse. Um, you know, another uh, nose tackle right next to him, another very big guy, D'Angelo Brown. Uh, those guys really clog up the middle a lot and then make a lot of room for the guys on the outside. Uh, Trevon Young has been the ACC defensive lineman for two weeks in a row. Uh, you know, his actual position in the, on the roster is outside linebacker, but usually he plays uh, kind of a down uh, rush-in sort of defensive end position. And he's, a, he's had eight sacks in the last three games. He's on an incredible run. He's had three sacks each of the last two games. Uh, has really has really had just some some huge huge plays after really being an unha- unheralded guy uh, and having a quiet start to the year. The other side uh, on on the offensive uh, outside linebacker is Devonte Fields. He was the uh, transfer from TCU. Uh, got in trouble and got kicked out of school at TCU, but he was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year um, when he was a true freshman there um, a couple years ago. So he is a a really, really talented guy and an NFL prospect. And then they have two of the best middle linebackers in the league, too, and uh, uh, Keith Kelsey and James Burgess. So it's a really, really solid uh, group that can both rush the passer and stop the run. Steve, we'll get you out of here on this one. How do you see Saturday's game shaking out? Yeah, I think I mean, I mean, think that this is a stretch of games, as I said, that, that Louisville is not playing uh, teams that are – um, that are, have super high-powered offenses and that, that, you know, goes well with their defense. Uh, so they can, I think, you know, I would expect them to be able to um, to put a lot of pressure on, on Syracuse and, and kind of, you know, contain them. And, you know, Louisville has, has an, uh, a shaky offensive line. Uh, you know, it's definitely the weakest part of their team. Um, but they're, I think they're improving a little bit. If, you know, if Lamar Jackson, he also has a little, he's a little bit banged up with an ankle injury. But he is really, really fast if he can if he can play full speed, and uh, you know I think he could be a little bit of a, a problem for uh, for the Orange this week. So I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking Louisville will win another you know kind of low scoring game the way that they have these last couple weeks and uh, get out of there with uh, you know maybe something like 21-14 kind of score. Steve, thanks so much for coming on again. Steve Jones from the Courier Journal. Great to talk to you. Enjoy Saturday's game. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Steve on Louisville football, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you. Always love the month of November, football and basketball being played by the Cubes. Brad, Syracuse losing its fifth straight game, this time to Florida State, 45-21. Syracuse looked competitive for three quarters, but it just seems like the Orange are still a ways off from truly challenging the Seminoles. It's 1-8 and eight now, all-time in the series, Florida State-Syracuse West. And I alluded to this uh, on the Juice website last week in my Orange Watch column. Uh, eight, eight losses in a row, right? So you can go back to the 70s, 1978. The 80s, 1989. Uh, the 90s, 1991. 
the 2000s, 04, 05. Are we seeing a pattern here? And now in the ACC, uh, 13, 14, and 15, the average margin of those games has been approximately 40 to 17 Florida State. So while I mentioned Syracuse and FSU are in the same division, the Atlantic division, it's just light years away, these two programs with talent. And as you mentioned, I certainly think that was evident in the game Saturday, especially in the second half when Florida State put the game away. Brad, I want to talk about this game for a moment. You know, I don't think this series had a true outcome on the game, but, you know, I want to talk about the end of the first half. Scott Schaefer calls timeout late in the first half, and then that combined with the shank squib kick from Ryan Norton leads to a Florida State touchdown right before the end of the half. So we're talking about 28-14 as opposed to 21-14. These mistakes seem to have happened all year for the team. Wes, were you screaming at the TV going, didn't I just see this the week before against Pittsburgh? I mean, it was just very, very strange. Uh, the game management there and the squib kick. I've been saying for years, you know, why couldn't Syracuse have a consistent kickoff man? Someone in the dome with no weather conditions could always have touchbacks or at least, you know, 80, 90 percent of the time. So this year we have Ryan Norton. What has he been doing? He's been kicking touchbacks. Great. What does he not do when Syracuse has these great, you know, two-minute drills at the end of the first half? He's not kicking touchbacks. It's really driving me crazy and really questioning, as many in Orange Nation are, these in-game decisions by Scott Schaefer. You know, Brad, another thing I've seen, you know, talking about both ends of the half, Syracuse's secondary. They allowed backup quarterback Sean McGuire to throw for nearly 350 yards and three touchdowns. Is there light at the end of the tunnel for this Syracuse secondary? Well, first of all, McGuire's a pretty good quarterback. You know, fair enough, he's at Florida State. He would start for, you know, many teams at Power 5 Conference, not to mention FBS. So he's a good quarterback, and obviously he played well. But, you know, I don't know because they've tried nine different players, Wes, in the secondary if there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And it was equal distribution against FSU. That first touchdown that uh, McGuire threw to Rudolph, the safety cornerback combination was Antoine Cordy and Corey Winfield. On the second one, it was Cordell Hudson and Chauncey Sism. And on the third Rudolph touchdown, it was Juwan Dulles and uh, Kieran Whitner. So, uh, you know, we're not even mentioning Julian Wiggum and Wayne Morgan and, you know, Rodney Williams. So nine guys have played. They haven't been able to get the right combination, you know, the, the best four players at one time. That really leaves me scratch, scratching my head because there seems to be enough talent among those nine guys but they just, you know, I think just a step too slow to keep up with the fleetest receivers in the ACC West. Brad, that's now five straight losses for Syracuse, and there are some rumblings that Scott Schaefer may be on the hot seat. Is there a scenario where you see Mark Coyle firing Schaefer at the end of the season? Well, no doubt that seat is certainly very warm, if not hot, and the scenario would be L, 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 and L. That's losing out the rest of the way. But here's what it really comes down to with the history and tradition of what Syracuse has done in hiring head football coaches, you've got to open up the checkbook. So I think what Mark Coyle is looking at is he's come in now in these first four months, starting to dive into all of the finances and looking at the donor list. Where is he going to be able to come up with the type of funding he's been used to in previous stops along the way, which have been at some big state schools, now at the private school in Syracuse, where he's going to come up with that funding 
to open up the checkbook, if he's going to make a coaching change, you have to make a splash. And to make a splash, you're going to have to pay a lot more than the $1.4 million range that Scott Schaefer is currently in, last among the 14 coaches in the ACC. So if Syracuse needs to make a philosophical decision here, they're going to come up with the avenues for the funding. If they are, I think the, the prudent way to go for Mark Coyle to attach his name next to the person he wants as the head football coach. Because at Power 5 conferences, Wes, the AD and the head football coach kind of go hand in hand. Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. My closing thoughts are the basketball season upon us now with the exhibition opener against LeMoyne. And one thing's for sure, Wes, no matter how the season transpires between now and December 31st and the early non-conference portion schedule, this is going to be one, one maybe a remarkable and unusual season in that Jim Beheim has to give up control of his program for a period still to be determined and we'll have the debut of the Mike Hopkins era. Really looking forward to that for this upcoming basketball season. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Syracuse basketball as well. CBS Sports reporting that the Orange will play South Carolina at the Barclays Center in December 2016. Brad, it seems critical that Syracuse keeps its New York City roots for recruiting and also the big fan base down here. It really makes sense. And if you look, all the high-profile programs, Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, at one time or another, they're making annual and regular trips to New York City. Just makes so much sense for any of the big college hoop programs. That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that the reason I talk to myself is that I'm the only one whose answers I accept. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV podcast network. 